entire game. He's like, just, that's not hyperbole. They literally have not scored a run through two games. Not a one. Game set. Barely any hits even. Yeah, five hits combined. <laughs> as, you, as you very adeptly pointed out, they had multiple base runners, kinda. They had last night. Yeah, it was one guy. Yeah, and it, like, if we're gonna, if we were drafting guys to run the bases, mm. not. I mean, he's not last. No, he's not. He's not. We, no, we, he's not. we won't be mean and no. say who is. We all know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Brandon Belt. Congrats, bud. Yeah, uh, he had a couple of hits in yesterday's game. No walks against Garrett Cole, who was who is spectacular. Yeah, he's very good, and he deserves to have a Cy Young Award. What do you think about the man? Um, personally, even though we don't really know him, but what he's presented uh, from a media perspective, he deserves to have a Cy Young Award. He's yes. been one of the best pitchers over the last decade and certainly over the last half decade for him to go through his entire career without a Cy Young Award. Again, Nolan Ryland never had one, I, I suppose. You know. Yeah, so I'm not going to feel bad for Garrett Cole. <laughs> but I, I think, yeah, he'll he'll get the individual award, which for some reason that one is not tied to team performance because of the way it's it's labeled as opposed to the MVP, which, yeah. Uh, if Aaron Judge was having the same season on a Yankees team going nowhere, we'd have a discussion there. Oh, do you, do you have a problem with that? Like, you think MVP, you think a, you I, think I, a Mike Trout can go be on the last place team, be no, the best player in baseball, I, and win MVP every year? I think we need to separate the the two awards. I, I like we need to create a, a new award, which is it would be hard for it not to be like the war award. Right. Like, no, just who had the, the highest yeah. war. So Shohei gets it. Oh, I guess he doesn't pitch anymore. Yeah, so no. but he's probably still going to win it in the American League um, this year. Anyway, so Blue Jays can't score. I want to have that conversation with you one day because I feel very differently about it, but we won't do that now. Yeah. That that feels like shoehorning a Shohei conversation into the the com- into the sports conversation in the city of Toronto feels like a, a far field a little bit. Oh no, not that the MVP conversation, but we're not doing that now. Uh, what we are having in the couple of minutes before we have Shai Davidi on is a Matt Chapman defense conversation because mm. he had a weirdo play yesterday on the, yes, the relay. I did see that where he was like deking out the Aaron mm-hmm. Judge. Well, not Aaron Judge because he was coming home, but the the Yankee base runner yep. as he was like, oh, I'm gonna cut it. I'm not, and he deflects the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, into foul territory and Blue Jays don't have an opportunity to throw out Aaron Judge of the plate, which I think if the throw goes through, maybe they do gun him down. There's a shot. And you feel a lot better about the Blue Jays' chances about winning the game uh, in that moment than you eventually do and the Mm -hmm. the lead balloons to six. Turns out it doesn't doesn't, doesn't matter. The game was already over by that point. Matt Chapman arrived in Toronto, and I think rightly so, with this otherworldly defensive reputation it was real real good last year despite the fact that there was a dip in the defensive metrics and you know the, that that was a real sticking point and and blue jays fans stuck to their guns about him being a lot better than the numbers suggest this year the numbers also not so great and i will say that i he's not quite the defender that he was last year and not quite the defender that I saw in limited time with the Oakland A's in 2021. Even some of the, the throws across the diamond, he had a couple of good ones yesterday, but I've seen, I'm seeing a, a lot more recently that are in the dirt that Vlad's had to dig out. It's just a little bit weird. Yeah, it's, it's concerning. I, this is completely anecdotal. I don't know, but we always talk about it the other way. Where, hey, Vladdy's playing good first base. Maybe that can spur his offense a little bit. Mm-hmm. What if Matt Chapman being a black hole at the plate is causing him to lose confidence in the part of his game that actually brings value to this team? And maybe that's way too simplistic, but I don't have another reason for a guy just... 
and it's not forgetting how to play defense. This is not somebody who's fallen off a cliff, but Mm -hmm. it is also, to your point, not the otherworldly defender we saw. How many conversations did you have just about what's the best part of Chapman's defense? Is it the glove or is it the arm? Like, what do you like better? Mm -hmm. There were so many things to pick at, and now there are things to pick at just the other way. And, you know, this is a larger topic about the team at whole, but when you're supposed to be the defense and mm-hmm. pitching team, and in your case, when you're supposed to be the defense and defense guy, you got to be perfect in that regard. So just we notice these things. So uh, that's the best theory I've got for it, honestly. Well, and, and at least recently, I don't know if he's fully recovered from the finger injury that Very he, fair. Was, yep. he, he was dealing with. All right, this insider is brought to you by Don Valley. North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. It is our friend, Shai Davidi of Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. Good morning, Shai. Good morning. How's it going? Going all right. Um, you're a little bit older than me. Like, when do we start seriously considering 1987 as a possibility for the 2023 Toronto Blue Jays? Oh, dear Lord. We're already there? <laughs> oh, wait. Are you saying, are you, was that a question or a, a matter of statement? No, I was, uh, that was, that was a question for you that we've already gotten to 1987 and like the horror scenarios. Uh, look, they're, they're fine. They, they ran into two pitchers who can beat any team in the majors, the way that they beat the Jays on consecutive nights. And they, they certainly left one on the table in the opener, uh, against Michael King late. You know, they had some opportunities there. You think, okay, maybe you push that across, you get it done. Uh, last night, I'm not sure how much more you can do with Garrett Cole. And the, you know, he's got, this is sure he was in the zone, uh, in the middle of the zone a little bit, but he's also got five pitches moving in different directions at different speeds out of the same tunnel. So good luck with that. So I, I don't think we're at 87, you know, they, they've, they've gotten healthy when the 87 team lost two key pieces in that final week and Tony Fernandez and, uh, and Ernie Witt. So, uh, I'm not sure that the uh, the comparisons are apt or that we should consider 1987. All right. That's why we asked the the voice of reason. I, I know I'm definitely incapable of, of being that with most things. So that's why we we, uh, we had to tab that question uh, to, to you there, Shai. You know, when you look at it, like you said, you played two great starters and, you know, Cole went the whole game. King was in there for a big, big bulk of it. Is it more concerning to you what the bats have looked like in this series or the Romano, you know, blowups in the in the last last two two appearances we've we've seen from him obviously you 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 know we understand the conversation around the bats all year I understand it's a shorter sample size with Romano but you know closers can live and die in these kind of short swings which of those two is more concerning for you for the kind of long term or I guess you know medium term since the season's only got uh, five games left in the year I mean I, I'm not particularly concerned about Jordan Romano I, the there's a reason to think that at least some of this was related to the issue with the fingernail. And, you know, in spite of that, he's still got like 97, 98 with uh, with a terrific slider. So that's going to play more, more times than it won't. And I wouldn't read too much into that beyond him having a couple off nights with the offense. I think, what you could take from the past two nights is, okay, it may not be quite that tough as King and Garrett Cole, but if you're facing the Minnesota Twins, uh, you know, you've got Sonny Gray and Pablo Lopez to contend with. Or mm-hmm. if you're facing the Tampa Bay Rays, you're looking at uh, Eflin and, and Glass now. So figuring out 
a way to deal with the most elite of starting pitchers, which is what you're probably going to get in the postseason. Uh, that, that to me, has really been a discussion point that we've had with this team all season long. It's been something that they've obviously worked to try and address to without a ton of uh, success uh, in that way. And so that, I think, is the most pressing issue because, again, that's what's coming for you, uh, assuming that they clinch this weekend and uh, are often running into the postseason. So the, the offensive piece has been, uh, again, a challenge throughout the season, and there are times where it looks like they're about to figure it out and start rolling, and then it doesn't get that way. And then you know, the, the, the other piece to that is where, where can they get or how can they tap into that power that they have in the lineup but just get it on a more consistent basis? Because when you're playing those elite teams in the postseason, you know, elite pitching staffs, it, it's hard to string together a bunch of hits and you need the power to just give you some instant offense. And, and that's really been the recipe we've seen the past few postseasons. Yeah, home runs are good. Um, despite some belief that they are rally killers. They kill it, like, it's, it's good. You want to kill that type of rally with the best thing you can do. Um, here's some good news for the potential of the Blue Jays' offense to turn around in the postseason. Those first wildcard games will not be at Rogers Center. That's, 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 that's a positive. And you just wrote about the overall season numbers at Rogers Center under the new dimensions um, and how down the offensive environment has been this season at Rogers Center. I tried to, to uh, well, all season long, I've been trying to figure out why that is because, you know, it's just from a pure geometry standpoint, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. To me, it, it comes down to one thing and one thing only, the baseballs and, and what type of baseballs they're using and what type of humidor they're using and the fact that the average fly ball at Rogers Center this season is traveling four feet fewer than a fly ball uh, sent at the same launch angle and and miles per hour as a season ago. Whatever it is, do you expect this to be a major area of concern? Maybe is is too strong a word, but like of attention for this this front office going into next season to figure out what happened at Rogers Center and whether they can do something about it. It's an interesting question because you know, the, the renovations at the Dome aren't done, right? There's a whole right. other phase this to, to be done this offseason. And, and maybe there's a few finishing touches beyond that, depending on how the schedule works out for them. I, I don't know that we can say anything definitive about what this is going to be, right? And certainly the expectation going into the season from everybody that I had spoken to was that it was, offense was going to spike, and the ball was going to fly out of there. And in some ways it has, right? Because if you look at, you know, fly balls that have turned to home runs this year, right. Compared to last year, there's a net gain of 24 home runs based on Statcast data, you know, 29 balls that left that wouldn't have gone last year and five balls that would have gone last year that hit off the wall this year. You know, so you've got 24 more home runs, but coming into this series, the Rogers Center was 24th in the majors in home runs. And that's for both teams playing their combined. Uh, it was 29th out of 30 in runs scored. It was uh, 25th, I believe, in slugging percentage. It, it has not been a very fun place to hit. And look, the Blue Jays pitching staff deserves a lot of the credit for that too. 
right? They they had the best ERA in baseball for a reason. But at the same time, this is a place that has historically been a very good place to hit. And it has not been that for the past several years. And why that is, you know, sure, the baseball's one of the theories, you know, have the renovations changed the airflows in, in the building? That's another reason. There's always a debate on whether the ball flies better, roof open, roof closed. Mm. And, you know, that's a piece. Honestly, if, I don't think there's one definitive answer. It's probably multifactorial. And ultimately, are you going to... I'm not sure that the dome is playing definitively enough to one characteristic where you're like, okay, we need to build our team around this. I just think you continue to get good players and expect them to to be able to perform in the environment that you have. So mm-hmm. uh, it's a super interesting subject. I, I, and the other thing is I just think we need more data to sure. more, more time to, to really assess where things are at. No, and, and for sure, and I, I would say if you're a below-average offensive team, you, you kind of want to bring the offensive environment down lower to, to kind of even out everybody's offense. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily a recipe to, to not win home games. I, I would say it's less enjoyable to watch a baseball game in which there are fewer runs scored. I mean, I, I love a one nothing baseball game as much as the next guy, but yeah, occasionally. Uh, score 10 runs in a baseball game. That, that'd be cool. Is it possible, Shy? because the humidor thing keeps rattling around in my brain that we have a very small sample of what that thing can do to the baseballs at this ballpark because it only arrived on the scene in the 2021 season. Is it possible that the Blue Jays went into this year expecting the, the, the worst or, or expecting the most extreme when it came to the way this ballpark was going to play and there was like a preemptive, hey, let's get ahead of this thing, make sure that this is not a ridiculous baseball stadium, and, and let's do as much as we can to, to, to deaden the baseball, whether that's turning up the humidor or doing whatever there is in their power to, to make it a less offensive environment. Well, there are guidelines around the humidor usage, right? It's not like all 30 teams are being like, well, we get, we're going to run this thing exactly the way we want it, and we'll, we'll manipulate baseballs that way. It, it doesn't work that way. So, I mean, in theory, uh, but the, it, there are rules around that. So I, I don't think there's manipulation specific to that. And, uh, you know, the, the Blue Juice people that I'd spoken to uh, were consistently saying that they thought the there was going to be a relatively neutral impact on offense at the dome with the new dimensions. And they thought that there might be uh, a few home runs gained in some parts on some parts of the, the park and then some doubles gained in other sides of the park. And they figured that it would be relatively even. And at least the way that it's played so far, like the big place where you've gotten home, a home run gains has been from you know the end of the from the end of one raised bullpen to the other raised bullpen. So power alleys and straightaway center, where the wall's been lowered. That's where most of the uh, the net gains and home runs have been. And uh, just in talking to a few of the players, you know they, that's their sense of where where there there's been sort of the major change in play. But I, I don't think it's been. I, I think if anything, maybe the, the Blue Jays expected it to be a little bit more uh, offensively inclined than it's turned out to be. But I don't think 
they were thinking it was going to be a run bonanza. That was more uh, players and yeah. you know the fan speculation that it was going to turn into a bandbox. No, and and, it hasn't. And you're right. Like, the, yeah, just from a pure mathematics standpoint, balls that have gone a certain distance are now home runs that that weren't if they went the certain distance last year. Here's the thing, though, that that I'm obsessed about. Statcast has this thing called variable extra distance, which is yeah, how far the balls travel given the same uh, factors. Uh, exit velocity, launch angle. Last year, Blue Jays at Rogers Center was about zero. Like they were right in the the meaty middle of of how far the baseballs traveled at Rogers Center. I think they were like minus point one. This year, they are minus point uh, minus three point six feet per fly ball hit at Rogers Center. To me, like that's one thing. It has nothing to do with the fences. Like that's the baseball. Isn't that the smoking gun? Didn't I just solve it? Give me an applause, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Again, it, it could be it wasn't what the applause you wanted, right? Shy. I got to be honest. He wanted more emphatic agreement. I, I, I know Ben's always looking for someone to uh, to, to uh, applaud his uh, his theories. Correct. But like, I, I don't know that we have a definitive enough uh, a definitive enough sample. And also, you know, are we adjusting to that for roof open, roof closed? Yes, the thing, like- almost the exact same. I've looked at that. You don't think I've looked at that? I've looked at that. <laughs> I've also looked at average temperature, which is yeah, okay. There might be something happening there. What I haven't looked at, and what I need you to look into, because you know you're you're the reporter. You need to talk to a meteorologist and talk about relative humidity. Has this been more humid, less humid? Has that impacted the baseball? I mean, again, I would just say let's let's get a bit more of a sample than one year. And no, if 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 the trend continues, then uh, and, and also like, are you measuring? I don't know that we have the data to measure all the uh, factors that you've described there, we over, do. or long, longitudinally. So you know, let's. Uh, I think we all want an easy answer to point to. I don't think this is an easy answer thing. Uh, I know you'd like to point it out to me, but yeah, it could be baseballs. Again, the baseballs year over year are different too. And, and, and that's been proven. So uh, look, it, it's very, very interesting. It's a weird trend and we'll find out where it's going, but to draw conclusions based on one year of data, that's, I think that it'll point you in certain directions, but I don't think you can draw definitive conclusions from that. Yeah. I mean, you, you hit on something that else is something else that is a factor here. It, it, it makes sense also, you know, Blue Jays playing the Yankees right now. Yankees games last season and read some of the incredible reporting on the baseballs that were used in Aaron Judge at bats last season, but they're no longer using the Super Bowl uh, that uh, – used to be used to allow Aaron Judge to get to, to 62 home runs. And a lot of factors. I think I'm a right, I'm right on on all of them. I, I like you. I've I've been racking my brain trying to figure this out. I've landed on the baseball though, and, and we'll see. You're right. Maybe next year it'll be back to normal, um, or or back to a higher uh, offensive environment. And uh, if that happens, I'll again point to the baseball. Uh, Shy, great stuff as always, pal. Talk again soon. All right. Take care, Ben. See you, buddy. There's Shy Davidi. Sportsnet, sportsnet.ca. This insider is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit donvalleynorthlexus.com. There's only so much I can talk about uh, the, the baseball team right now, the way they played yeah, the last, not, last two games. You're not wrong there. So I, I'm, again, coming back to the, the ballpark and the baseballs. couple things I have to say about that. One, shy, and, you know, God love him, you know, journalist, mm-hmm. says the right things. 
no team in baseball would ever do chicanery to mm-hmm. try to win or mess around with anything. We mm-hmm. obviously it's well known the Houston Astros yeah. definitely weren't a thing and everything going on in sign stealing. Well, and across it's not the game. necessarily a competitive advantage if right. everybody's using right. the same same baseball. balls. Uh, also, uh, we don't often go to the text line, but I feel like they perfectly uh, just hit home where you're at right now. So shout out to Matthew and Aurora. Bender's reminding me of the meme with Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia yeah. when he has the bulletin board and all the red string behind him. That is 1,000% you. And the third thing, and then you could talk again, is if you want to talk to a meteorologist, I am I cannot definitively confirm this, but I'm pretty I sure about... Nine feet to the left of me and the right of you, there is one. And you know what? This is actually just a threat now. Mm -hmm. If you keep asking other people to ask it, I'm going to make Azo drag the meteorologist in there so you can ask them whatever questions you may or may not have sorted out. So I'm just threatening you with that. Do whatever you want. You're a parent. We love this one. Life's about choices, bud. You're going to make yours. You're you're absolutely correct. Um, And here's my thing. I feel totally comfortable making Shy Davidi do extra right, work. Right, of course. You? Not somebody that oh, have a, a not... A real job. A, a, yeah, for, yeah, one, a real job, you know, impacting real life. Um, and somebody that I maybe don't have a long history with mm. saying, hey, here's what I need you to do. Okay. Between the months of April and October of 2022 <laughs> and 2023, I want the average... Relative humidity between the hours of 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. But on weekends, on different. weekends, different times. Also, I need you to go through which games had roof open, which games had roof closed. Can you do that? And also, I need, uh, I guess, a physicist to tell me the impact on a baseball. Okay, so I'm not promising anything. <laughs> I'm not promising anything, but we have a conduit to make this happen. Who's that? There's a former, shout out Elaine, former fan intern on the morning show who now really? is working over at City News 680. I feel like we can maybe put a little bit of that busy work on him and then you and I we need to be better like mm. corporate citizens out there mingling yeah. and then it's not as bad, it's tough of an ask. Here's, we, yeah, no, it's a it's a great point. Yeah, being a better, you know, Corporate citizen is is definitely something I think about when I saunter in here at, at five o'clock in the morning and like I see people working and like I keep my head down because I, I'm not interested in <laughs> getting into a conversation at that time. No, but, no, but you're right. You're right. They're, they're that's right the there. path to it. If you want it, that's mm-hmm. the path. But I will say, having now that we've really broken it down way easier to just tell Shai Davidi to do it. Oh, 100%. So I, and I do this all the time. Like, when I want to know something about golf, I, you know, I'm a member of the Golf Journalists Association of Canada. I Is that could, true? That's true. I do could, you get a card for that? Yeah. Well, no, it's like a digital thing. Anyways, it's not important. Can I get in? I don't think so. <laughs> Golf show is the golf show is the ten the Dang ten. Hook it. I've been on the golf show. You've been on you co-host maybe, and then we'll talk. But I've done that before. Okay, so it's I could do the work to find out, but I'll uh-huh. just tell Adam Stanley, like, you go find out this because right. I'm curious. So I have no problem. Well, I'm guilty of it all the time. And beyond that, isn't it better not to know? Like, because then you can have speculative conversations. Oh my god! Like so much better not to know. <laughs> I don't want somebody to tell me definitively you what ima- it is. Oh I can't God. speculate about Mark Shapiro messing with the knobs on the... No, 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 not him. We said who it was, the man in white. Oh, yeah, right. The guy needs something to do. He hasn't been He hasn't been tipping pitches in center field. Yeah. Maybe he's been in the flight deck this whole time, and we never knew. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so I, I guess maybe one day I'll stop mentioning 
my my harebrained theories. No, I don't baseball, want you but... to. I want to. Be, I'm very clear. This is a new partnership. I don't want to <laughs> okay. scare you off of this. Good. I enjoy watching you. Yep. Just use that crop and beat the daylights out of this hobby horse that you have found yourself on. Yeah. Um. But yes, very Just funny to me. Show us the humidor. <laughs> Just show us. Let's give me a tour of the humidor. I I need so bad Jay's Central to start up tonight with just like a wide sweeping shot <laughs> of something that looks like it could be a humidor even. Who knows? They got tons of build- uh, rooms yeah. in that building. Bunch of cigars in there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, when we come back, uh, Raptors did not land their man. Dame Lillard's going to be in the Eastern Conference, though, headed to the Milwaukee Bucks, who are now the betting favorite to win the NBA championship. We'll talk to Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA Front Office Insider next. The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. about this team's direction. I think you'll see they'll they'll continue to be active because it, it, it can't stay a status quo. Siakam, you know, there's been no extension. I mean, th- th- there, there's going to have to be a move here at some point, a significant move. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. That was NBA insider Mark Stein on Sportsnet Central yesterday talking about the Raptors and what's next for them after their pursuit of Dame Lillard goes pear-shaped um, as he ends up in Milwaukee with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Here, let me let me outline a, a timeline for you, Brent. Please. August 24th. No, oh, we're taking it back. Okay. The New York Times publishes its piece uh, entitled, Giannis Antetokounmpo Wants It All, Even If It's Not in Milwaukee. Ooh. September 27th, the Bucks trade for Dame Lillard. <laughs> Become the betting fave to win the NBA title. Let's talk to Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider. How's it going, Bobby? Thanks for doing this. I'm, I'm good, guys. Good morning. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm very good. Does this trade happen without the, the little impetus for, for the Bucks to, to add another running mate to, to Giannis with that New York Times interview? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, certainly circumstances, right? I mean, you have... Um, you know, I think Drew Holiday going into the last year of his contract could become a free agent, and they could lose him for nothing um, if he doesn't sign doesn't sign an extension. And in February, um, you have Giannis. Um, you know, and, and it's certainly I agree with him. It's a business decision why he would not extend now, just because he can earn more money next year by doing it. And then certainly the comments as far as um, you know the goal. Um, you know, he's going to look at the big picture as far as if Milwaukee is um, the goal is still to win a championship, which I kind of thought was pretty funny considering that they've got the most wins in the last four years and they paid the luxury tax the last four years too. So um, you can kind of take that with a grain of salt. But, yeah, I, I just think it's based, it's similar to where um, where they were back in 2020 when he was super max eligible um, to sign and they go out and get Drew Holiday from uh, New Orleans and um, – you go out and um, you out, you out and get Damian Lillard now for them. I just kind of it's I, it's I know the Lillard money is a, a, a lot. I just for me, I thought it was a kind of a low risk move just based on if you were either going to pay Lillard or Holiday, one of the two here, um, and they chose to kind of go in the Lillard direction. 
Yeah, it seems like the, quite honestly, the cost of doing business if you want to keep Giannis in, in town. And that's not to say he was dying to get out of there. But I mean, you know, we mentioned the comments there. A lot of that was making sure, you know, there were some ownership changes in Milwaukee. I'm sure part of that was just making sure, hey, uh, luxury tax, is that going to be a problem here? Well, if you're paying Dame Lillard $63 million one day, uh, I think it just might be. And, and clearly that's what Giannis kind of wanted wanted to see. You know, you've been in conversations, uh, you know, I, I, about big trades, you know, What's it like behind the scenes when these these conversations are happening? You know, there's been some reporting about Masai Ujiri being a difficult guy to to deal with. And, you know, I think fans feel two minds about that. Obviously, the first place you go is good. I want my team's GM being tough to deal with. I don't want him capitulating on every trade. But obviously, it takes two to tango. You want to be someone who can make a deal. What is it like uh, in, in these rooms or when, when you're having these conversations uh, re- regarding... And, it's, you know, I imagine there's a difference between a smaller yeah. trade versus a big one like Lillard. Yeah, I mean, they're, yeah, they all have their own identity, as I say. You know, like, you know, I... Listen, I dealt with, um, this is a long time ago, with Masai when he was in Denver with Carmelo, and that was a long, drawn-out process um, in New Jersey, and he was eventually traded to um, um, to New York. I, I, if you're going to go out and, and go after a, a franchise guy with $200 million, $215 million on his, on his contract, then you're going to part ways with draft picks and key players, and um, it's a huge risk, and I think that's why you see – I think that's why you saw it drawn out um, from Portland's perspective. You know, Lillard has to be traded on um, July 1st, and here we are on September 27th, and he's finally traded here. Or there are some times when you're, I think when you're closer to the deadline and there's a little bit more pressure on you because there's a, a ticking clock, um, you're forced to do something. I think there was a, a little bit of an artificial deadline here just because training camp starts um, immediate days, Monday for most teams, Tuesday you get on the court. You wanted to have a resolution here, and I think – you know, I think from Masai's perspective here, um, you know, as I said, you've got to get it right. Like, you, if it's not just about getting Damian Lillard, it's about you know, figuring out Pascal Siakam, whether it was whether it was um, OG Ananobi part of the deal, Scotty Barnes. What are the what do I, what do we have left to compete for a championship? And if it's you know, basically Lillard, Siakam, Barnes, and then basically Pirtle and Filler, no draft picks here. You have to ask yourself the big question, is it, is it a championship team? And um, what happens a year from now if, if it's not? And then does Lillard ask to be traded? And um, I, I don't fault him from not, you know, kind of, I don't, yeah, I don't know about going through with it, but kind of, you know, taking, you know, jumping, you know, two feet into the deep end. Now the, the big thing is, and I'm sure for, for Toronto fans is that, what happens now with this roster moving forward? Um, you can't be in a position where you were this past offseason where Fred leaves and you have, you know, basically the non-tax mid-level exception in Dennis Schroeder, who's a nice player, to replace him. You can't go into next offseason and all of a sudden Siakam signs elsewhere, OG somewhere else, and now you're really looking at Scotty Barnes and cap space. Like, that's that's not how it's going to – unless you really want to just do a total um, teardown here – um, so that's where I think the, the eyes of the NBA are going to be focused on as far as what, what happens in Toronto, what's next in Toronto. Yeah, I mean, that's the most interesting part of this, Bobby. I mean, added to the fact that the Raptors don't control their own first-round pick this season. It's top six protected. But, yeah, it went to San Antonio in the Acapurdle deal. And you talk about um, the pressure that general managers are in 
are under when they're undergoing these trade conversations and that Masai Ujiri has operated as a guy that has time to make these decisions. Well, that ticking clock is is now ticking down. And, and by the time the deadline rolls around and there's no extension for Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, I mean, that that seems like pretty clearly decision time. Like, is, is Masai Ujiri going to be forced into whatever the best available offer is at this deadline as opposed to the offer that he most wants to see for those guys? Well, I think, I think what happens is, is that, um, you know, it, we, we're in this, I guess, for another few days or this, this little bit of a honeymoon period with rosters where everybody loves their own roster for the most part. Um, and then when you start playing, whether it be preseason, once you start playing games, then one or two things are going to happen. You know, teams are going to get desperate and say, you know what, we want, we like OG in the offseason. We're willing to give up a first and a young player. Now we're willing to give up, you know, up the ante here, whether it be, for example, a team like Memphis who needs a, you know, a small forward here. Um, it's, it's, it puts pressure on organizations. Now that the, the downside is, is that, if there is no other teams out there, what do you do come the deadline? If, you know, OG's got a four years, 117, I don't think he will sign that extension. Um, he has up until June 30th. Um, and for any team, so it's not just Toronto, he's going to be likely an unrestricted free agent. So if you're a team out there, you have to have your mindset. If we give up three first round picks for him, I'm, you know, are we comfortable paying him four years, $200 million, five years? You know, thir- you know, five years, 160. He's going to get what Jeremy Grant got. I mean, Jeremy Grant got five for 160, and OG's a better player. So I think that's where you have to have that understanding. And then, as I said, when you have it, when you have a early February trade deadline and the clock is ticking, you've got to you've got to figure out either you you're comfortable resigning him um, when you get into the off season, or you're going to move him. And it's just a matter of kind of what the price is going to be based on where team situations are. Yeah, it is not an ideal situation that the Raptors have been in. You know, I, I kind of look at it as Masai kind of trying to effectively tap dance as long as he can to find out what exactly they've got in Scotty Barnes. Because if Scotty Barnes turns into, you know, what you hope, a rookie of the year, fourth overall pick can turn into, then you want a guy like OG to be part of what you're going to build around him. Obviously, Pascal and him, potentially, like you can you can close your eyes and squint and see it. But yeah, it's a very, very fine line they're, they're trying to thread. Obviously, with the Bucks loading up, they become title favorites uh, or, or at least uh, on a very, very short list of those teams. What do you think this does to the other true bona fide contenders in the East, be it the Sixers, be it the Celtics? Obviously, we know the Sixers have their own kind of trade drama going on. I don't, I don't know how much that increases the impetus right now, but what do you think that does to those teams? Well, there's a, there's another move out there, right? Holidays are going to get holidays going to get traded from Portland. Now the question is, are the team where the teams that were interested in Lillard now come to the forefront with holiday, whether it be Philadelphia, whether it be Miami, whether it be Boston, um, and what's the price going to be? It's probably going to be uh, less than what you know they were looking for, for, for maybe even more with Lillard and Holiday, another guy who's got a, um, a player option for next year and can become a free agency. So I think that I think what happens with him maybe in the next few days um, once this trade is finally um, approved, and if he if he goes to one of those teams, then that certainly swings a little. I mean him and listen, him in Miami, and if you basically just have to give up Kyle and maybe some draft compensation, that, that's a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. I'd roll out that team with him and uh, Jimmy and, and Bam, and, and you still have Tyler Hero up against uh, Milwaukee. 
Um, Milwaukee is good. My question with Milwaukee is going to be, what do you have with Chris Milton um, coming off injuries, really struggled last year. Your backcourt depth is really not there. Your depth in general is, is, you know, you lose Grayson Allen and now you're relying on some, you know, Malik Beasley and Jay Crowder, players like that. Um, They've got some younger players here. Um, But you've got Giannis and you've got Brooke um, and you're still a really good team. The bonus in Milwaukee too is that you got Terry Stotts, who was Lillard's coach in Portland for a long time. Um, so there's a there's a familiarity already there. But I, I think we're still a little bit in a wait and see mode with the rest of the Eastern Conference, just based on what happens with uh, with Drew Holiday. Does Drew Holiday make sense for the Raptors? He does. I think you have to have it's one of two things you have to look at. It um, is he a rental? Um, and what's the price for a rental? Are you comfortable playing out the year? Um, or, or are you comfortable anteing up with the mindset that you are going to pay him significantly, um, either with an extension, which would be six months from when he's acquired, or when he becomes an, an unrestricted free agent here? I think it's just a matter of what, what the price is going to be. Uh, Bobby, uh, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. There's Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider, former assistant GM with the Brooklyn Nets. The Raptors are always involved in trade rumors. Mm -hmm. This happened at the deadline last year. Apparently, like, just an absolute cache of first-round picks on the table for OG Ananobi. I don't know how much of that is true, but, like, apparently the offers that the Raptors turned down to trade OG Ananobi, and and Memphis was the the, the prime suspect to to, uh, try and acquire him, as, Mm -hmm. as Bobby laid out. They turned it down. There's been some rumors surrounding Pascal Siakam. Of course, his agent sending out the the memo. I don't know if it was actually in writing, but clearly the message is, hey, Pascal Siakam's not signing an extension if you trade for him. So trying to cool the trade waters there. There's going to come a point for Masai Ujiri where like, yeah, all the... It's good to be a tough negotiator. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't know. I'm a horrible negotiator. But oh I, I hear the people that are good negotiators, when they get that <laughs> reputation, that's a good thing for them. I can't stomach it. But those good negotiators, like there does come a point where it's like, okay, great. So you've turned down all these potential offers. Now you're screwed. Now you're up against the wall. You got to do something. And maybe you you turn down something that's better than what you ultimately get. We'll see. Proof will be in the pudding come either the deadline or the idea of extending a team that's a lot better than we think. But, yeah, there, there's going to be some serious evaluation in the last two years under Masai Ujiri coming up. I'd love, love, love to be proven wrong. But it really does feel like the only way this thing makes any sense is if Scotty Barnes just has a leap of all leaps. And I don't see that coming i like i'm sorry i'm not this yeah. isn't to poo poo the player this isn't he's no he's good, a good yeah player. He's that's fine. the thing he's fine yeah he, he seems like a very good player a very good player that fits a role on a team and if you're a very good team like what a valuable player mm-hmm. to have but the idea that not only did the it's raptors like star yeah no. yeah m- make the the right decision in in selecting all of franz wagner is probably the, mm-hmm. the the best decision they could have made at that position but yeah clearly a uh, better call than jalen suggs at this point but that the idea that you'd go beyond that and and capture even like a Pascal Siakam level star who's looking at max money would be yeah, quite a coup and probably unreasonable to expect for for Scotty Barnes. Yeah, and it's just you're you're looking at the you're forever going to look at the four first round picks and even even if OG stays, 
You're yeah. just going to look at them the whole time and go, yeah. oh, you're four guys, eh? Yeah. That's how good you are. You're four whole guys <laughs> who, let's be honest, two of whom we never would have heard of again, who would right. have been two years away from being two years away or something along those lines because that's how draft picks work. Like, we can't mm-hmm. look at it as four rotation players, but mm-hmm. probably would have been a couple if mm-hmm. you would have been able to to do it. And then if, I mean, it's, of course, even worse if he walks and you have literally nothing to show other than, you ran it back like four four seasons after the title. Wasn't that fun? No, Bobby's right. Like that can't happen, especially after what happened with Fred Van Vliet and, and the Raptors. And assessing. the quote of, I have things like we can, stuff we could do today, I'll do in the summer. Yeah. And then it's a whole year later and you still haven't done any of those no, things. No, and I, you assess the marketplace and you thought you knew what the price would be for his services. You had, again, you want to talk about tough negotiations. Like the Raptors and Masai Ujiri had a price for Fred Van Vliet. Mm-hmm that they were willing to go up to and would not go beyond. And that's all well and good, but you, you don't have Fred Van Vliet now. Yeah, and there's and I actually was totally fine with that when it was Kyle Lowry. Mm-hmm. I think there's a different, and we don't need to rehash all that, but I think there's a different calculation made for, mm-hmm. sounds weird to say, awesome to see in writing, weird to say, the GROAT, the greatest Raptor of all time. Like, there is a different thing you have to consider when it's Kyle Lowry and God love Fred Van Vliet and everything he did for the title run. He's not Kyle Lowry and you Mm -hmm. probably should just take him what your best offer was and, and do right by that guy. Not to say he was done wrong by, I'm sure he's going to make a ton of, well, I know he's going to make a ton of money in Houston, a place he wants to go. Actually still did get stuff for him. Yes. Sign and trade. Yeah. Yeah. Where they're they're left holding the bag. They got Mm -hmm. a whole lot of, I don't know, not, not too much. It's classic for Fred Van Vliet. It's like we got precious Chua for Kyle Lowry. Great. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, all right. I I short shrifted you on your Ryder Cup preview. I was going to, like, just clear out and give you, I don't know, 20 minutes or <laughs> so to, to talk about tomorrow's Ryder Cup, which starts again. It's it's 7.30 in the morning, Italy time, so it's it's 1.30 in the morning. Disgusting. Eastern. For shame on you, on European Union. So uh, the Americans have not won on European soil since 1993. Last Ryder Cup. 2021, Americans destroyed Europe 19 to 9. You were just showing me some highlights from the practice round today. This golf course looks, I mean, you want to talk about the, the mm-hmm. fear of Roger Center, Center being Mickey Mouse. I don't know about this golf course. Like, yeah. Vic, Victor Hovland just made a hole in one on a par four. Okay, like, so there's a massive asterisk on this. Okay. I did get excited and, uh, you know, uh, people got excited. It's a, it's a fake hole in one. It, what? Yeah, it was because it, it's a practice round. It was his second ball. Oh, but he's but okay. Like it's still impress. It's an impressive yes. feat. No, 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 no. But I, I mean, I, if you I understand what you're saying, like if I did it, and like say I like lost a ball, and then my second, and yeah. I was like, oh, Mulligan on the first one. Hold, yeah, yeah, that I wouldn't get to claim that as a he hole made in one. Fred Couples birdie is what he made. Yeah, he he was capable though of hitting the ball into the hole on a par yes. four, which I understand there's like multiple par fours that are drivable, drivable. and the par fives, and all of gettable. them are gettable in, in, into on this golf course. Yeah, they need. You do. Uh, this is part of what makes the Ryder Cup great is that when it's in when it's in America, the Americans just stretch it out. They make it the longest golf course they possibly can because this will shock you. They got a bunch of big buff American dudes mm-hmm. who can just drive the ball. Europe, a little bit of a different game. Now, not they that they're the short. Best driver of the ball in they Rory do. McElroy. They do have the best driver of the ball in Rory McIlroy. They arguably have the second best driver of the ball who's playing in this thing in John Rahm. Yeah. Also very, very well equipped there. So, uh, But it's where you get to the lower end of the team. I mean, when you look at the top five, six guys on each side, you can make the case that Europe should be favorites. Also, what's happened with the betting line in this is insane. Now, I just, again, 
Brent was right. I'm a genius. I'll always remind you about that. Don't ask me about things I get wrong. I'm somehow completely unable to recall those. I was telling people to bet you're up if they liked them months ago when it was plus 167. Mm. At most books now, this is effectively a pick 'em. You're up slight favorites at plus 100 to the States at plus 110. It is nuts the way things have gone. Now, like you said, it's been 30 years since America has been able to win on European soil. So there's a reason for this. But I also think the momentum swung far too much the other way now. No group of people has ever been this collectively right about one thing in the entirety of the golf world, including myself, is saying Europe's going to win. So it just feels like everything's going too well for them. John or uh, Victor Hovland's making fake hole-in-ones. The odds are <laughs> tilting in their favor. I have a bad feeling that this is uh, this is not going to go the way I hope and financially hope uh, it's going to for Europe. My favorite Ryder Cup narrative year over year over year is how together the European team is. And they love how- each other. They're just like buddy, buddy, and the Americans are just a bunch of corporations unto themselves, true. and they don't, they don't get along together, and they, you know, whatever, twelve guys, twelve different cabs to, to, right. to the golf course. The Yankees all over again, <laughs> where, where the Europeans are, are all, piggybacking each other. Yeah, they're all, all of them, all twelve shoved into a Volkswagen. <laughs> it's <Beetle>. a clown's <laughs> car. <laughs> oh my God! There's Rom and Hovland, and yeah. Here, here's probably the reality that they're all multiple times over millionaires, mm-hmm. and that they all kind of know each other and that yes. everybody's kind of like e- on equal footing and despite the fact that most of these guys apply their trade either in Europe or in North America in the United States they all play the same stuff like everybody is is on the same level maybe there's a little no, bit I of a think, different European mentality I think what it is with the Americans is that there's just such a a constant like puffing out of chest mm. of pecking order of who's the lead dog and who's the mm. alpha and who's lucky to be here. And it really doesn't, it seems like that's one just much more established with Europe. Like there's a pretty clear cutoff point of your A team and the rest of the guys. Uh, but I think with the States, you do see it. And I mean, you know, the, some of the quotes that are coming out and, you know, Wyndham Clark should feel great. He won a major this year, but saying, oh, I like my chance gates Rory head up. I'd take me over him. Shut and, up. Yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> the other quote that came out about this that we have to get in here, uh, and we don't need to play it because the audio is no good. And I don't think I told Azo to get, to get it, so we couldn't play it. But right. uh, Brooks Kepka was asked, uh, the question that he was asked was, if you asked every guy here, do you want Nate Footer to win the Ryder Cup? I bet all of them would say they do. The question to Kepka was how many of those guys would actually want it? And his answer was very few, which is just so yeah. good. It's so Kepka. And he's right. We all know those guys. You'll see it. You'll see it with the Jays or, or any team. A big moment come up. That guy does not want to be there. We have seen it a million times in sports, and it's so true. And I just love that Kepka, to your point about these guys are corporations onto himself. He's throwing shots at his own teammates. He's throwing shots at the Euro team there. I yeah, love it. A hundred percent. So we talked yesterday about how this is such an, a breath of fresh air when it comes to watching golf that mm-hmm. you don't see actual meaningful team golf like yeah. at all. No. No offense, live tour. Um, <laughs> Full offense, live tour, just <laughs> FYI. But also, and you see pressure all the time on the PGA Tour. Um, and in majors, mm-hmm. my goodness, yes. you see pressure. The pressure is so different in, so different. in this event. And you see it wear on guys where you're like, how can you feel for your major champion? What are you, pressure? What are you mm-hmm. talking about? You've come through in a, a multitude of pressure packed situations with millions of dollars on the line, your legacy on the line, and you've come through. Different deal when you're looking behind you and it's your team that's watching you on the 18th green try and finish off a match and, and 
retain the cup if you're the Americans, win the cup if you're the Europeans, which also I love the fact that you yes. can retain the cup. God, it's, I hate it. I hate it. Just <laughs> win the damn thing. I tie. What are we doing? I yeah. know. The honor, the legacy. It's great. It's great. It's great. I, I cannot wait. I am just so excited for this week. And one thing I'll say, arguably the guy with... I won't say the most on the line because, you know, Rory or somebody like that's going to be the story out of this. But Matthew Fitzpatrick, he's had a come up since the mm. last Ryder Cup. He's also 0-5 in his career, has never picked up a point at yeah. the Ryder Cup. This is a guy that Europe is going to be counting on in a big, big way. He's a different guy. He's a major winner since he's yes. last played in one of these things. How much does that change things? And maybe he just can't handle the pressure of doing it for queen and country and all of Europe. Again, like or, it's a different... Sorry, King. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> It's 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 a different deal than winning even a major championship, stepping into a Ryder Cup match with the with import. Can't wait to watch it. Although it won't be at one thirty in the morning. Sorry. No, it'll be when we're on the air. Uh, definitely paying very much attention to our job tomorrow. <laughs> all right, um, all right. We'll be back tomorrow to to talk about the early matches at the Ryder Cup. This has been the Fan Morning Show. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet five ninety, the Fan.